Good afternoon, everyone. It's Saturday, November 21st, 2020. I am one of your hosts and co-creators, Bobby Stutzman. I'm your other host and co-creator, Luke Mohat. And this is Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. On today's podcast, we'll be getting into touching a little bit on our beloved Nebraska football team, Harry Styles. Uh -uh. Yay. Gender fluidity, pansexuality, conversion therapy, and of course, we're going to provide you an update on COVID-19 and what the holiday travel is expected to do to both our new cases, hospitalizations, and then the anticipated mortality rates. Indeed. Well, all right, Bobby, let's get after it. So, Luke, Nebraska football, currently, as we're recording this podcast, and I want to reemphasize to our listeners that when we record this, there's no editing afterwards. So whatever we say on the mic during the recording session, it is what it is. And as we speak, it's currently 38-17 Illinois versus our beloved Huskers. Yeah, having a little little bit of a trouble on both sides of the ball today, I would say. Yeah, I think, you know, uh Luke had a great game uh last week. Uh but he is he's playing like a a true freshman today. Yeah. He's a kid. Uh, offensive he's a kid. line as soon as the ball is hiked if the ball actually gets to Luke. Right. Uh those linebackers and defensive linemen are in the backfield, so it's it's very easy to look bad as a quarterback if your offensive line isn't holding. Yeah. It's just uh, another and, – and, you know, hey, this is college football, and anything can happen. Uh, but uh, Nebraska hasn't lost at home to these guys since, I think, 1924, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just – and uh what you know sorry have to bring in a fashion element but <laughs> what do you what do you think about these alternative unis it's different i like i really like the jerseys um i don't know about that black n on the helmet i don't know yeah i mean are they making a statement I, are they dying i don't know <laughs> But, you know, watching the first couple quarters, you know, into halftime, mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking about the 90s, the 90s Nebraska. And you remember when, <clears throat> excuse me, when pancakes, when we used to keep track of pancakes. Mm -hmm. And for all those that don't know what a pancake is, because it's been so long since we've been tracking them, that's when our offensive line would put the defensive line on their ass. Right, right. 
You know, there's always been this ballyhooed uh, black shirt defense, but uh, those uh, championship winning teams in the 90s had just badass lines, you know, yes. that just yes. that dominated, you know. It would drive the linemen backwards or put them on their ass. And I mean, that's Tommy Frazier's running holes and all mm-hmm. the running backs we've mm-hmm. had in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know, that offensive line for those, you know, basically that decade were just dominant. Yeah. And we used to keep track of pancakes, who it yeah. was, how many they got during the game. It was discussed on the telecast after the game. Hey, did you see so-and-so? He had eight pancakes today. And yeah, you know, it's never discussed anymore. And, you know, we've got obviously opportunities on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I just hope that uh, Scott Frost is given given enough time to get uh, recruiting back, you know, to to where it was. Get some get get some good old Nebraska boys back in there. Yeah, you know? the walk on program. <laughs> the, yes. Exactly, Doubt. exactly. Out just you know just just you know bring it back to the heritage of the program and right. uh, you know. It takes a minute uh, to do that. I think uh, you, you're, you're seeing the same kind of struggle up in uh, Michigan for uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, absolutely. Just, it, it takes a minute. It takes a minute to bring a program uh, back uh, to what it used to be. So, right. Go big red. Go you know, big red. Husker see. Nation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in a totally unrelated topic <laughs> we met <laughs> which is what we do we love bouncing from topic to topic whether it makes sense or not so i you know i bring this up not not just as a a gay man because i i, I don't think th- i think this has less to do with sexuality and more to do with the uh, topic of gender fluidity, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, but I want to share uh, a clip real quick uh, on this month's cover of Vogue. Harry Styles, uh, once of One Direction, uh, is the first ever uh, solo male cover model in the 108 year history of Vogue. And yes, he is wearing a dress and yes, he is. And he looks very good. Yeah. And, and if you look at the pictures, it's not, you know, uh, it's not feminine. And if you could put a dude in a dress (laughs) and not like, make it look feminine like this is uh this is it so let's see here my you know and here's me being the least tech savvy thing in the world maybe it's because i'm not the host i can't share my screen but i think Uh, my yeah let me there you go all right. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. 
Now, from my perspective, while you're working on this, I'm not surprised, right? So One Direction and really eventually, I think for any member of any boy bands, they go through the sexuality question, you know, back in the 80s, New Kids on the Block, they were always hammered about their sexuality in sync and in Backstreet Boys and you know, but it seemed whenever like Harry was asked about it, it was never answered, right? It was the, never a straight up answer. So just hearing a few of those interviews, it was like, oh, he's potentially gay or bisexual or whatever the case. And what's beautiful about this Vogue layouts in this in this whole article is is the explanation and what he feels and what he believes and, you know, and everything else. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, I do, 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 do that and do that. All right, here we go. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, and but the I wonder if the sound is because it's supposed to come. Let's go over here. Thank you, everybody, for your patience with us. Mm. No. You know what? Easy enough. I will paraphrase. So basically, the clip. <laughs> The the clip that I was going to share with you was the uh, the gentleman that actually wrote uh, the Vogue article, who was there with Harry during the uh, uh, during the photo shoot, and you know there were a number of influences uh, that you know. So let me take a little sidestep here into a world I used to live in, which is the world of fashion, uh, marketing, and media. Whenever you have a photo shoot, you always have a vision board up and you have uh, different uh, pictures and quotes and, uh, you know, authors and this and that, that you're after, you know, trying to go for that style. And, you know, in this particular uh, this particular photo shoot, um, you know, I'm sure Harry had an idea of what was coming, uh, but you know, uh, it, 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 it walks into, uh, you know, these, uh, these, 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 uh, authors and whatnot, uh, that have been, you know, known for, uh, decades, if not hundreds of years as, kind of ambiguous or queer. And we'll talk about that topic in a moment. Um, you know, and the idea of it was this very masculine man. And we're going to talk about the the description of masculinity, but you know, Harry is, you know, he's got the tattoos on him and he's kind of this rough guy. He notoriously dated Taylor Swift, etc. Right. And he, but at the same time, 
There's, uh, if you were a big follower of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, One Direction, uh, there I, I was <laughs> doing some online research, and I guess back in the early, I don't know, early two, 2010s, there was this rumor that he and Louie, one of the other members of the band, were a, a couple, uh, you know, but t- it turns out, I guess, they're just best friends, what, 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 what not, but you know what what the article really brings to light and what the the topic that i want to touch on today and why i bring it up is this idea of gender fluidity and i know it is a i bring it up as a non political topic <laughs> i right. truly do <laughs> but uh you know th- this idea that you know quite frankly, is not new. Uh, you know, we've had Boy George and, you know, who, who who himself, yes, was homosexual. But then we also had David Bowie, who was quite heterosexual, you know, right. uh, playing these androgynistic roles. And, uh, you know, now we are living in a world where kids are growing up and not necessarily aligning with one or the other entirely. And this is where I've actually had to kind of up my game, right? So working in retail for almost 22 years, I've, I've managed a number of gay and lesbian and, and, and queer folk um, prepping for this article, this discussion. Um, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit, but LGBTQ, I was well in the know. I didn't realize until just the other day, they've actually added an A and we'll get into that. Uh, but talking about pansexuality and, and different, um, topics, I've really had to do research to, you know, bring up my game. Yeah. It, it is. And even as a, look, let me be completely honest here, even as a, a gay man who lived in Chelsea in New York City uh, for many years, it's a gay district in New York City, and now lives in West Hollywood in uh, Los Angeles, another famously gay district. Um, yeah, a lot of this is new for me as well. And it didn't really strike me until, you know, back in about 2012, I was running a a large day camp operation in Central Park in New York City. And, you know, I, I started to have parents asking how accepting, how open our, our camp was. And of course, my natural reaction was, we're very accepting, we're very open. And their immediate follow-up was, well, sure, I'm sure you all are, but what about the rest of the kids? What about the rest of the family? And they started, you know, introducing me and I started to get to know these kids who were not identifying as, as gay or lesbian or this or that. It's just that... You know, sometimes uh, Johnny, you know, I'll use just a, you know, a, a pseudonym. Johnny likes to 
put a skirt on in the morning and wear right. that over his shorts. And yeah, he wants to wear a get- skirt and play with Transformers. Yeah, and 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 is he gonna get a is he gonna get a lot of crap for that? Right. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it made me immediately realize that no, he he should not get any crap for that whatsoever. And I need to now start immediately training my staff to be aware um, that you know kids are kids and people are people and we all go through our processes. And, uh, you know, I, I think Bobby, you and I, we were just talking about, uh, you know, forever and ever and ever, it was just LGBT, LGBT. Right. But now there's the, not just the A, but there's the Q. The, the Q. Right. And, and the Q um, you know, it doesn't just mean, you know, queer, which is reclaiming the word and, you know, gender queer, meaning, you know, not necessarily aligned with one, uh, sexuality or another, or one gender or another, but more importantly, and, and to me, I believe most importantly, it also means questioning. Right. And I, I just think that that's so, so important you know, in, in, in this day and age that we, as, uh, you know, I don't have children of my own. I've worked with many, many, but, uh, you know, we, as uh, parents and uh, caregivers of children are accepting and not necessarily shoving children into these boxes of what was what is expected of you because you are this or that right right and i you know from from my perspective who is not a gay man has been with the same person since high school we've got two beautiful kids i've always been accepting of the gay community uh obviously i've had to educate myself and have a complete understanding of what it means, what what the you know bisexual verse uh, asexual means, and it, it's been a continued mm-hmm. learning process, and it's it's going to continue being a learning process as the terminolo- uh, the terminology changes, as there's mm-hmm. additional identities that people are identi- you know identifying with, and mm-hmm. it you know it's 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 really important for, you know, for us. So when someone says, you know, I'm not bisexual, I'm pansexual. Okay. What does, what is the difference? What's it mean? And, you know, I think that's extremely important. Yeah. I was just, uh, yeah. You read my mind, Bobby, uh, from, from the man himself, Harry Styles to, uh, um, Miley Cyrus and others, there's this new, and I don't, I can't imagine that it's new. It's just now being spoken out loud. Identity of pansexual, and pansexual meaning that you are more attracted to the person's personality and them as a human, as an individual, than you are attracted to their their biological sex. Right. And so then of course the question comes, well, what, well, so then they're bisexual. 
Well, <laughs> not necessarily, we, right? Not necessarily because we have gone now um, and we're going to have, I, I, I would hope, uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, a, a, an additional podcast where we really dive into this because I have good friends, you know, in this uh, scenario, having lived in New York and now in LA that, you know, a, a gay man so a man like myself, who is a biological man and is quite happy to be a biological man, but I happen to be attracted to other men, I become attracted to this other person who is presenting as a man, but in reality, they are a transsexual female to me or uh yeah, female to male. Right. And being pansexual means that you are okay with that because I like this person and their, you know, their, their biological makeup really doesn't matter to me. I'm just attracted to and am now in love with. And uh, in the case of my friends that I'm thinking of now married to this person that I want to share my life with. Right. And that is that is pansexual um, right. as opposed to bisexual, which really is more of a, um, you know, you're attract, attracted to men and women, you know, just right. straight across the board. So it's just a way for us as a society to continue to grow and continue to accept you know, I've, all, all those who who are a part of our community, and uh, not to, <sighs> if y'all haven't uh, realized by now, it's it's a hard uh, it's hard for me to not immediately uh, slide into Trump land. Um, I hope that Joe Biden, on his first day in office, signs an executive action that uh, reverses the trans ban on uh, military a- active duty service people. Because yes. in my mind, if you want to volunteer to do that service for your country, I don't care what you identify as. I want you to have the opportunity to serve and serve proudly. So. Right. Right. Now, if I can interject just real quick, I actually came across a Cosmo, a Cosmo article from May 23rd, 2018. So over two years ago, Mm -hmm. and the title is what's the difference between pansexuality and bisexuality. Mm -hmm. And the article kind of highlights Janelle Monae uh, from like numbers and, and those types of movies. Uh, it says recently, Most Janelle recently Monet, from uh, Antebellum, which is yes, a great watch yes. if you haven't seen it, <laughs> came out as pansexual, telling Rolling Stone that, quote, being a queer black woman in America, someone who has been in relationships with both men and women, I consider myself to be a to be free as motherfucker. Monet mm-hmm. elaborated that she used to identify as bisexual, but then, quote, Then later I read about pansexuality and I was like, oh, these are things that I identify with too. I'm open to learning more about who I am. Meanwhile, while pansexuality seems to have resonate with Monet, bisexuality is still alive and well. 
while mainstream media has a history of painting people as either straight or gay, bisexual characters such uh, demonstrate that society is finally waking up to other orientations. And that's really mm. where everything else comes into play. Uh, you know, transgender male to female, transgender male to uh, female to male, uh, bisexual, pansexual. And, you know, and then the tweet today that we were talking about earlier, Luke, about mm. uh, conversion therapy, just, you know, a hot ball in my chest instantly and you know this whole conversation about gender identity they just you know think that conversion therapy is just going to fix it yeah i i have a incredibly incredibly sadly very close to home uh relationship with conversion therapy and uh to start off with, what we're talking about was there's a tweet that uh, these Trump-appointed judges, and uh, we'll talk about the judiciary plenty, but uh, these two Trump-appointed judges that were on a three-panel uh, circuit court ruled that bans on conversion therapy violate the First Amendment. Uh, never mind that conversion therapy has been widely discredited and increases the risk of suicide among uh, LGBTQA plus youth and the bans in question only apply to minors. Right. So I, as a minor um <laughs> a lot of you that grew up with me in high school probably you think hard and think back uh i i did a damn good job of trying to uh hide uh my true identity it was just for me at that time it was just the path of least resistance and, um, yeah, unfortunately right. at that same time, I had a brother who was going through a, uh, conversion from Catholicism, the way we were all brought up, uh, to a very, very fundamentalist Christian, um, uh, way of thought and he campaigned basically from the time I was 16 or 17 years old until years later, I think finally at 21, uh, for trying to get my parents to send me to conversion therapy. And God bless him. My dad, my federal agent, conservative as all hell dad, finally, <laughs> finally uh, stuck a fork in it and said, just stop. We're not doing anything to your brother that, you know, he's one way and you send him away to whatever it is you're sending him away to. And he 
uh, allegedly comes back another way. Uh, study after study, and thank God, thank God, or my story might be very different. Um, but, you know, study after study after study has shown that conversion therapy is, it, it, it's, well, I, 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 it's torture. It is torture. It is absolute, positively torture. It is telling mostly youth, mostly minors, that what they feel, you know, what their reality is, is wrong. And they need to either fix that or um, there's no place for them in the world. Uh, it's quite, uh, I mean, it's rem- it, it brings from the jungle to uh, 1984. It's just, it's, it's, it's disgusting in the way uh, of thinking. And the fact that these judges in 2020, almost 2021, say that bans on conversion therapy violate the First Amendment. You know, as we've spoken about in previous podcasts, like the First Amendment does not protect you from dangerous speech. Right. And uh, to me, conversion therapy is the most dangerous kind of speech there is. You know, sitting here, you know, listening to you talk. I mean, obviously, you know, we went to the same high school, uh, knew the same friends. Uh, you know, sitting here listening to you say, you know, hiding yourself. Um, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 something that I carried with me for a very long time, and. By the, you know, middle of my high school experience, like I mentioned, the the Q, meaning questioning uh, in LGBTQ, mm-hmm. did mean a lot for me for a few years, you know, uh, because in my, I mean, who the hell knows who they are in middle school and whatnot. I right. just, you know, I, I was like, oh, well, she's cute. Oh, but he's cute too. And this and that. And it's so much more than... Uh, the the sexual component of it, and and right. that's I think the hardest part about dealing with sexuality is that all anybody wants to look at, all anybody wants to think about is the the sexual component of it, and so it's it's it's, it's not that, and it wasn't until I had, you know, a couple of girlfriends, mm-hmm. and um, realized. I just have no emotional connection to this person whatsoever. Right. Like I like them a lot as a friend, you mm-hmm. know, and I did have, uh, you know, probably many people <laughs> listening to this podcast. I did have lots of girlfriends <laughs> that, that were friends. You, you were know? a player. <laughs> well, no, I was just a friend. I was their friend. Like, like that's uh, that. And that was, that was that. And that was fine. But the, the, the two or three girls that I actually dated, you know, there was no, there was just no emotional connection to that. And sadly for me, that lasted into 
college. And then believe it or not, you know, I went to a Jesuit, I went to the Rockhurst uh, university down in Kansas city and it was a Jesuit priest uh, in, in, in most Jesuit universities, as a freshman, you have to live in an all same sex dorm. Um, and there's a priest that lives in the dorm. That's your, you know, spiritual person you can go to. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was actually him, uh, you know, that I finally had the, I guess the cojones enough to be like, you know, this is what I'm going through and this is what I'm thinking. And it was him, a Catholic priest, mind you, that said, well, you have to live your true life. You right. know, God, God loves you exactly the way that he made you. And if this is who you are, you have to live your, 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 your life. And, you know, you know, from that point forward, I, I, continued to tiptoe out of the closet per se and whatnot. But, you know, I just, I just, my heart goes out, you know, when I hear these kind of rulings and people like to say, Oh, you live in California or you live in New York and you live in these bastions of, you know, liberal protection. It's not about me now. It's about Luke Mohat in Seward, Nebraska, feeling this way and feeling, am I secure enough? Is it safe enough for me to truly own who I am? Right. And, and that's, that's my, whether it's Seward, Nebraska or Montgomery, Alabama, or, you know, where, wherever you uh, may be, it's about those kids now, that generation now. And right. so to hear, you know, this case has now been kicked up to the Supreme Court where sadly with the new you know, conser conversion therapy is dangerous. It's just dangerous. I mean, we're, we're backsliding, backsliding in the worst possible way. And, um, you know, we, we, we need to figure out a way forward. We really do. Uh, otherwise, we're going to end up living in some sort of, uh, like I was saying earlier, some sort of Orwellian uh, future where, you know, the, the minority rules the majority and the, and by that, I mean the minority that believe in these antiquated uh, beliefs and whatnot. Right. And uh, the rest of us will just have to go along with it. And, and, well, and, and it's the minority that are in these power positions. Right. I mean, right. right. These were, were, were democratic, you know, and I feel very comfortable saying that democratic yeah. judges, yeah. Maybe a, you know, a three zero vote you know, the other way, right? Um, you know, and it's, you know, it's really telling, you know, as, as much progress as we all thought we were making, you know, in the Obama administration, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of gone, you know, it's kind of like that Paula Abdul song, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, and it's about the power, power of these, you know, these uh, courts, the -hmm. Supreme Court, you know, these lower courts that are, hey, you know, it's, you know, same sex marriage is legal, but yet a lot of states, the last I looked, I think it was like 26 or 28 states still allowed at the state level to allow employers to discriminate. Correct. Correct. So it's I mean, every, every, uh, and I've posted it recently on my Facebook. I'll post it again. A- a- every single major victory that SCOTUS has brought to the gay community has been within the past 10 years and is, are all of them are just hanging on by, you know, by, by a thread. Right. And, um, you know, I don't know, you know, speaking of the courts, I don't know. I mean, God willing, Joe Biden on his, uh, you know, one of his first executive uh, orders will be to reenact the moratorium on uh, federal uh, death penalty. Um, As we all may have heard uh, under Trump, the feds started to uh, execute people again. And wouldn't you believe it, wouldn't you believe it, uh, in one of her first judgments as a Supreme Court justice, Amy Coney Barrett was the deciding vote in uh, moving forward with uh, the eighth federal execution that will uh, occur this before the end of the year. So I don't know what people's, uh, I, I don't know what people's views are on death, the death penalty. I am right. Wholly and completely against it. I don't think that anybody in good conscience can call themselves pro-life in any way, shape or form, unless that uh, life is covered from biological inception, as they like to say to biological death. Right. And that means for even the worst of the worst, uh, you know, uh, let me let me let me really get get down home here back to Nebraska. Even Charlie Starkweather uh, should have spent the rest of his days suffering in maximum security prison until he withered away and died. You know, there's just nothing accomplished in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm going to love, you know, the podcast where we're talking about the death penalty, uh, guns and gun rights <laughs> amendments to, um, you know, all those, you know, mental disabilities. Yeah. You know, we still got people when it comes to guns saying Democrats are just here to take your guns. And, you know, that's not the case. No. Do you need a gun with a bump stock that's a fully automatic weapon? Absolutely not. Should there be limits on magazines? Absolutely. Do you need an AR-15? No, you don't. Um, you know, and you know, but yet the you know at the same time these guys will come back and say, well, you know, I'm protected. All these guns, whether it's hunting, whether it's X, whether it's Y, regardless of the number, you know. I'm guaranteed basically an unlimited number of guns. And my first question back to them is, have you read the amendment? Do you know exactly what it says about your gun and why and when you are protected? And the vast majority of the time, the answer is, well, 
I kind of do. Well, we will certainly revisit guns and all of these things soon, but as we're running, uh, our, the time is, is passing by. We have to, have to uh, quickly touch on COVID again because, my God, 24 hours doesn't pass right. without new COVID uh, information coming up. Uh, the piece I wanted to cover, uh, and I'll just quickly put it out there, Google uh, Dr. Chris Murphy Director Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluations. Uh, there's a new model out. We've been talking about models uh, throughout this, uh, our, our first few po- posts. Um, but uh, the new model, uh, if things stay as is by March 1st, we could very easily reach anywhere from 450 to half a m- 450,000 to half a million deaths. Uh, the caveat to that being, if we could just get 95% of Americans, 95% of Americans to just wear a flipping mask every time they leave their house, we could save as many as 65,000 uh, lives, if not more, uh, in that same time frame. So. Right. Just some numbers there. And uh, in the meantime, here we are, less than a week ago, less than a week to go from Thanksgiving. What, yeah, what, yeah and the and the AAA, you know, based on obviously them reaching out to all the airlines, the busing companies, auto industries, as a collective, they're anticipating, which blew my mind, through even in a pandemic, our numbers, we reached over 200,000 new cases yesterday. There are going to be 50 million people they anticipate traveling for the holiday just for Thanksgiving. That does not include Christmas. Right. Right. Yeah. And I was telling Bobby before we hit record, uh, this hits very, very, very close to home. And I would love to hear uh, feedback uh, from, from folks either, uh, through our, our social media, or, uh, you can always, uh, get, it's very easy. You can email me, Luke at Bobby and or you can email Bobby at Bobby at Bobby and Uh, Josh and I are supposed to travel for Christmas. Uh, Josh has a, elderly grandmother who unfortunately has cancer and his mom has made it pretty clear that, you know, if, if, if COVID doesn't get her in the next year, uh, the cancer will. So this is your last chance to come have Christmas with grandma. So get your asses to Alabama. And we are just kind of frozen right now as to what we should do. Right. Yep. And similar, we're in the same, you know, uh, situation. Uh, my wife's grandfather is 96 and, um, we've gone back and forth about, well, you know, we went back and forth for about 10 minutes and that was it. It was done a done discussion. We're not going, you know, we're going to have a zoom, um, with all the family members there in Lincoln and 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 around uh, with with Grandpa, 
um, on his on his uh, iPad, and we did it for uh, his his birthday previously, and it worked out very well. So we're just going to do a you know a Zoom with everybody since we're here in the Springs, uh, Colorado Springs. We're just you know we're going to do it that way. Be safe, stay safe, and we actually ship him. Uh, we make this. It's called uh, we call it crack corn, but it's oh. like. Um, syrup butter and brown sugar mixed Need that recipe tell yeah. amber to send that recipe please well it's 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 very easy but it's so damn addictive and he loves it but each time <laughs> we send him a package every you know six seven weeks um we send him some masks so he's been very happy about that he doesn't have to worry excellent. about it excellent maybe we get that recipe up on uh up on the uh the the facebook feed <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very simple. It's basically just corn syrup, brown sugar, uh, butter, two sticks of real butter, not the margarine. We tried it with margarine and it's yeah. horribly bad. Yeah. Um, Got to have yeah. the real butter. Absolutely. Very simple. And it's, it's very, very addictive. You might want to double batch your first batch. Yeah. So just a, a couple of quick, uh, quick, quick, little closing points here on my end. Uh, hey, Europe is going through exactly what we're going through, but there's been a number of lockdowns throughout Europe now and yes. uh, cases are already plummeting uh, to the point that uh, schools have been able to remain open. So, you know, that, 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 you know, every time you feel like you need to go eat inside a restaurant or go to a bar or, you know, have a large gathering with your friends, try to f think of, I don't know, even if you don't have children, think of, you know, yourself as a child, not being able to go to school and see your friends and learn in person. So, so there's that. Um, because, you know, U.S. health officials are, are now widely speculating that uh, nothing short of a, a true national lockdown to get us through the winter might be the only way. So if we could all just wear a goddamn mask. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Oh. But 95. Put on the mask. Oh, this is unfiltered, baby. Put on the mask. Put on Put on the fucking mask. It's right. not hurting you. It's not hurting you. You don't look like a pussy. Quite to the quite to the contrary. When you walk outside and you don't have a mask on, you look like a jackass. And right. everybody looking at you says you're a jackass. So very simple. Uh, cost very very simple. And you save uh, lives within your family, outside your family. It's a very simple process, and it's something that other countries have been doing for decades. I mean, my goodness gracious. I've heard people say, you know, even after COVID's done, can we keep this up? And, you know, right. if you are feeling like you've got a little bit of a sneeze or a cough, like wear a mask, you right. know? Like, can we end the days of, oh, what a trooper. Even when she was on her deathbed sick, she still came into work. Right. No. No, if this pandemic has shown us anything, you don't have to do that. Like, just just stay home, stay home. <laughs> Absolutely. But my uh, my 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 happy happy thought. Still trying to land on a name for it, but my my happy news that certainly brought a big wide smile to my 
face when I read this because my gosh, if she's not already a national treasure, she sure as hell is now. Dolly Parton. Yes. Has made a significant donation uh, to the Moderna vaccine, helping it to, uh, you know, speed up and catch up to Pfizer. So we might not have one, we might have two vaccines. And And there's a huge difference between the two, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a huge difference. Two shots. Yep. uh, Six weeks apart. Yeah. But the biggest difference is that they're both right around 95% effective. Yeah. But the big difference is that Pfizer's vaccine needs to hit about 103 degrees negative Fahrenheit. And Moderna is just regular ice cream freezer temperature. Exactly. Exactly. While they're trying to figure out and get the resources, development, manufacturing of the freezers for Pfizer's, I mean, even a grocery store could could be storing vaccines on the premise. And even your Walgreens, they've got freezers um, in their areas that would already work and they're not having to spend. I think these freezers are like $20,000 plus. So it's going to be extremely hard to you know, kind of facilitate who gets the freezers. Is it going to be, you know, just a, a handful per metro area or, or what the case is, but yeah, Dolly Parton over a million dollars donated, kept that testing going. And now they're 95% effective and hoping to start sending out early vaccine shipments um, mid December and December. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, 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 it is, uh, a remarkable difference just in the uh, logistics uh, aside, um, you know, how, how, you know, we want, you know, the, the, you know, the, excuse me, the vaccine getting approved is just as our good friends at GI Joe used to say, it's just half the battle, you know, right. knowing it's half the battle. This is uh, a chance, uh, you know, with the Moderna vaccine anyway, a chance for much wider, much more rapid uh, distribution throughout right. the country. But the key so. is people have to take it, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They say 50% of the population is not going to take a vaccine, which means even when and if, you get vaccinated, say, mm-hmm. say Colorado Springs and Hollywood, California, we get a shipment and we're all getting vaccinated. The problem being is there's going to be a large population that's not. Correct. So wearing of the masks, even after people start oh, getting even vaccinated, after, even be, after that's, that's going to be needed. From Fauci to Burks to, uh, you know, all of the Biden folks, they have all said even post-vaccination, the masks must continue. Right, right. So all those listeners who wear your masks, you go to Walmart, you put a mask on, you know, you go into the grocery store, you go into the gas station, you're masking up, you're saving lives. Those that aren't doing it those that refuse to do it i pray for each and every one of you yeah because i mean it, it is it is is it that hard to just you know throw on that piece of cloth over your you know want to look like a badass wrap around your uh your uh your uh bandana like a you know like a train robber 
or uh, you know, you're you're a big Cornhusker fan, get a Cornhusker Gator, whatever. Right. Just put it over your face. Yes. Do something. Yep. I've seen Absolutely. people go into the you know local come and go here in Colorado Springs because there's several of them. They just pop their, I mean, even that T-shirt over their face. And, yeah. You know, there's a lot of places that are handing them out and people are still refusing to put them on. So, yep. you know, yep. the faster we get everybody to that 95%, the better life's going to become, the less businesses are closing, um, the less layoffs there are going to be, less unemployment. Uh, you know, it's, you know, we got to get the pandemic under control before we can fix the economy. That's a That's fact. right. That's right. They are intertwined. You cannot fix one without the other. And uh, I mean, I guess that's the, a good place to leave it. Absolutely. Again, we appreciate everybody's support, uh, the support on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram have been, it's been phenomenal, great engagements like Luke stated earlier feel free to send us questions or go to bobbyandluke.com, hit the contact form if there are topics that you would love for us to discuss or even if you want to participate on a podcast yourself, head to bobbyandluke.com, go to contact, and we'll work on scheduling uh, those that are interested for a future podcast. We'd love to have you. Thanks again to the Stutzman Group. And thank you to Dolly Barton.